0: Question. What is a story exactly? From Oxford Dictionary. A story is an account of imaginary or real people and events told for entertainment. Okay. Another question. What is a brand? From Investopedia. A brand is a business and marketing concept that helps people identify a particular company, product, or individual. Hmm. All right. That makes sense too. But how does telling better stories actually help your brand? Find out the answers to that question and more on this episode of Forward Thinking. Forward. Forward. Hey everyone, I'm Darren Lake, the audio content manager here at Mediji. Welcome to Forward Thinking, a podcast by Mediji. In this series, we speak with inspirational business owners, brands, and marketing experts to learn from their experiences on the front line and uncover what it takes to build a world-class business. This episode is all about branding, and in particular, branding through storytelling. And to tell us about how important that is for your business, we have Chief Design Officer Hayden from Corellium, a company that wants to solve the challenges that mobile developers face. Hayden has worked with companies such as Google, Nike, Toyota, National Geographic, and more, A few things you'll learn in this episode are the best way to get your first iteration of logo and branding, the meaning of a minimum beautiful product, the deep meaning behind a logo, the process behind rebranding a business, and much more. Let's get into the episode with Hayden and our head of content,
1: Brendan Hill. Hayden, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me very excited to talk to you today. We haven't had anyone in the branding and design field come on the podcast yet. And I've been a long-time reader of your blog as well at Jelly Pepper. I really like how you sort of tell the story from the very inception. I mean, you show the first email that a client sends to you or a text message, and then you take us through the process step by step. So super interested to dig deeper into that. But first off, I wanted to find out... How you got started in the design and branding space?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think my start was a little bit different to probably most designers. I didn't actually start as a designer. I started as a, a front-end developer. Right. So actually, probably the majority of my working career, I was mostly a front-end developer. So just building sites that people had given me the designs for, Right. and then eventually realizing that you know, it'd be really great if you could store that data so people could actually have profiles and stuff like that. So back end developer, you know, infrastructure engineer, all that sort of stuff. only actually moved into design, I don't know, maybe three years ago or something. Wow. Yeah. It's a bit of a rapid transition. But I think the front end development definitely helped. Yeah. You know, always like sort of seeing the web as like a canvas. So once you I feel like there's a there's a big crossover between front-end development and design. So once you understand like exactly how sites are constructed, it's much easier mm. to think about it like that from a design perspective.
1: Interesting. So you've had a bit of a rapid progression in the last 3 years and you've got clients now like Canva, Google, SpaceShip. I mean, what's it been like to work with these leading brands being so new in this field?
2: A little bit strange cuz you know, the biggest sort of thing that I did before SpaceShip was like a stint at Palantir, but Yeah, going straight into like an agency. I I had no intention of starting an agency, by the way. That was (laughs) completely (laughs) random. Um, I was sort of like, you know, post-spaceship, just thinking about, you know, what I want to do next, like whether I want to start another startup or go work for, you know, Apple or something like that. And so, yeah, I thought I would just freelance for a little bit. So it's like just go around Sydney, help a couple of startups out with their products. Mm. And then, you know, I got a couple of freelance gigs but those gigs were a lot more than just product design. They were like, oh, you know, what you did for Spaceship with all that, you know, the great product and the hype and the growth. Can you can you do that for us? I'm like, sure. I would need a brand designer, illustrator, you know, motion designer, all that sort of stuff. So eventually right. sort of cobbled together into an agency.
1: Right. And then what happened after you started your agency?
2: Yeah. So we, we started off with like, I guess, clients that we knew, startups that we were connected with through VCs. Right. So for instance, Bright was a really great one. Um, I think we got connected with them from Jeremy from Grok Ventures. Mm. And I'd never met the dude personally, but he was just like, oh yeah, you've you've done great work for Spaceship and you run an agency now. Why don't we put you in touch with Bright and mm. see how that goes? So a lot of our early clients were yeah, just like referred from like Blackbird, Airtree, stuff like that, Grok.
1: Right. Yeah. That's interesting. And talk me through the process at Jelly Pepper. I mean, you've got a couple of things up on the website about your process, you know, strategy, branding, products, marketing. Can you talk us through, I mean, your version of uh, (laughs) what your process is?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, we try to be, I guess, what we refer to as like a full stack creative studio. Mm. That term is being so overused, but (laughs) it is what it is. Um, Full service, I guess. Mm. But it's essentially the idea that when I was at Spaceship, for example, you know, we really wanted, originally before I was sort of hired, I think, or in the... Early stages of me working there, we were looking for an agency to help us out with. Like, you know, we had to get a super portal up, it had to be designed. Our brand was, you know, a bit weak, that sort of things. But, you know, there wasn't a lot of great digital product agencies. There are nowadays, like Us2 is pretty good and no. Chili Pepper, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, essentially, there wasn't a lot of great uh, agencies th- to help out with, like, I guess, bleeding edge companies and startups and products and stuff like that. So, mm. You know, we sort of worked with freelancers who who showed promise. And so, yeah, when I started freelancing, I guess the goal was, like, help out those startups that it's very difficult for them to do a branding project because there's no precedence for it. Mm. You know, it's like self-driving cars or artificial intelligence. There's not exactly, like, a market standard or an industry standard for how they should look. Mm. And so, yeah, they found it a lot more difficult to sort of brand themselves and do product design because they weren't sure exactly what they should look like.
1: Mm. So for a company like Bright, for example, can you tell us more about what they do? And I know you've done a lot of work for them. So can you give us an idea of, I guess, the before and after?
2: Yeah, yeah. So Bright do sustainable energy financing. Well, that's like the short version of how we sort of talk about it. But essentially what they do is that if you want to get solar panels on your place or you know, basically do any sort of upgrade to your home that is in relation to sustainable energy, you buy it from a vendor And Bright is sort of like a capital pool, more or less. So they pay the vendor upfront, um, and then you pay back Bright over, you know, however long it is, like 12 months, 24 months,
1: Mm.
2: but specifically targeted for home renovations in sustainable energy, which I found really interesting because it's one of those things where if you think about it, like you'd hope so anyway, but um, over time, the money that you save based on having this sustainable energy installation, you know, might take a bit off your payment cost as well. Yeah. So I found that really interesting.
1: Mm. And what kind of work did you do for those guys?
2: Bright was branding and product design. So essentially what we did is they already had a logo in place, which they really liked, that uh, the light bulb with the interesting font. Um, (laughs) Didn't get to touch the logo, unfortunately, but it's, it's not a bad logo. Yeah, Yeah, so we took that, but we sort of created the digital application around it. So, you know, the color palette, the typography iconography, imagery, all that sort of stuff, particularly for digital implementation. So, you know, websites, digital marketing, videos, stuff like that. Mm. So once we'd sort of nailed that and we'd had like a boilerplate, like foundational design system or brand in place, we helped them out with their product design. So I think Bright's original app was uh, targeted towards vendors, but they wanted to come out with one that was more consumer focused. So actually pushing it on the homeowners and making it, putting the onus on the homeowners to start the process. It's like, oh, you know, I want this energy installation or I want this solar panel installed on my roof. So moving into that sort of vertical where you're, you know, I guess consumer first, they wanted to put together, obviously, a really hot app around that, but obviously make sure the the user flows as well were, were really so tight.
1: And you mentioned logo design. So early stage businesses out there, they might not have a lot of money, you know, to spend on a logo or, you know, branding in the early days, what's your sort of opinion on these sites like, you know, 99designs, Fiverr, what's the best way for an early stage business to get their first iteration of their logo and branding? I'm actually a
2: huge fan of those websites. Mm. I think Spaceship's logo was done on 99designs. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Before my time. Before what, the current had. logo? That's right, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So That's whoever nice did logo. that for yeah. five bucks or whatever yeah. it is <laughs> probably super mad at themselves, but... um. <laughs> No, I think they're really good just because, you know, when you're a startup, you sort of got to, you know, even though it would be really nice to have a super sexy brand, beautiful product design, you have to work with, you have to go to war with the army you have, I suppose, you know? Yeah. So you got to take the resources that you've got, divvy them up. You know, I'm not supposed to say it running an agency, but branding (laughs) is not super important at the start, especially if your one goal is to stay alive and try and find product market fit. Mm. So I always sort of think that if you've got the resources, yes, you should definitely you know, invest in branding, invest in a in a beautiful product design and mm. try to make design one of your differentiators, you know, another sort of wall of defensibility. But yeah, if you're a startup, if you're pre-series round or if you're still looking for product market fit, yeah, like utilize all these sort of cheaper crowdsourcing style platforms.
1: Mm. Yeah. Any particulars that you like the best?
2: 99 Designs is obviously quite a good one. Fiverr is, their quality when it comes to logos is a bit awful, but... <laughs> We occasionally use Fiverr if we need to do get voiceover.
1: Oh, great, yeah, yeah, so
2: there's some really good voiceover artists on there.
1: Mm. So good Morgan Freeman impersonators that I've Yeah, I wish.
2: <laughs> I really want to find one.
1: There's a couple of good ones. Yeah. I'll share them in the show notes afterwards. <laughs> so, and you talk about something that, I mean, we've touched on, and I'm not sure if you coined this phrase, but you've mentioned it in a lot of your online publications, minimum beautiful product. So can you talk more on that?
2: Yeah, of course. So that actually came out of something that we were doing at Spaceship, which is effectively, we had to create an MVP for our super portal, you know, superannuation dashboard. And obviously, when you don't have any product and you really want to get customers on board, your number one thing should be creating your MVP, right? Mm. Get it out the door, get people using it, all that sort of stuff. But I think what I realized is that after we launched this portal, because it was so MVP as in it was the only motivator was speed, We started to get some user feedback, which is like, "Oh, you know, this thing doesn't make sense. It's not like why was this button here, but it's like I don't understand why this flow works." Right, and they're all pretty standard, like UX issues or or like you know, low-detail UI issues. So I started thinking like it would be a lot more valuable if startups actually put the effort into at least just like cleaning up all these like UX and UI issues before launching their minimum viable product, because the user feedback that you get you don't get like, oh, this obvious thing doesn't work. You know, it's more like focused on the actual product itself.
1: Yeah. And how did you gather that feedback when you were at Spaceship and then implement it?
2: We did it in a pretty unstructured way. We sort of just had, you know, intercom set up and we would, you know, we would get really personal, like chat with the customers. I, I used to jump on intercom when I wasn't like coding or designing and just right. like have just open conversations with people nice. um, about, you know, what they think about the product and what they would really like. And, mm. and I think people appreciated that sort of informal discussion which you can do if it's a really early stage product but you know when you scale you definitely need more structured implementations of that there there are a few really good tools out there now to help with that um mm. my friends are running this one called dovetail right yeah it's basically a like user feedback collection sort of tool oh, wow. um they're they're ex-atlassian
1: um, oh really yeah
2: so yeah that, that is a really good tool
1: Yeah, no, we'll definitely put that one in the show notes. So we've talked about, you know, early stage businesses, you know, starting their brand. What other tips can we give these guys? Like we haven't really talked about language and beginning to develop the product, which we've sort of talked about in different contexts. So what do they do? I mean, they've got a logo from 99designs, for example. What are the next steps for these guys?
2: Yeah, I think the easiest thing to remember about a brand is that only like 5% of the brand is the logo, but it's Mm. the 5% that everybody focuses on.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: The brand is actually more defined by its strategy. So the mission and vision of your company, your values, your culture, Mm. how you want to be perceived versus how you are perceived currently. Mm. A lot of people, yeah, obviously they look at the brand and they look at the company and the logo is the brand, but really it's sort of everything. It's like, you know, it's obviously the logo on like the back of your goods on the back of the iPhone or whatever it is, you know, having yeah. that stark Apple logo, but it's also yeah. the way that you talk to your customers, how they feel about you when they use your products or they talk to your support team. Mm. This all sort of factors into the brand, but um, a lot of companies don't think about that and they only start to think about it when they hire an agency. Um, and the agency does a lot of this sort of upfront work for them, the strategy work.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, I remember when I Had my first job out of university at UNICEF, and our marketing manager put a slide up on the TV, you know, she had 10 logos, and the question was, what are these? And obviously, they're logos, but, you know, trick question, it's a brand. And, you know, she talked about Virgin, you ring up Virgin, they talk to you totally different than if you ring up Qantas, or...
2: That's exactly it, yeah. 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 A brand's just a collection of, I guess, like feelings and and visuals, even sounds that you associate with a company.
1: Mm, and an interesting example I heard today, Play-Doh actually trademarked the smell of Play-Doh. Oh, so? yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> All kinds of sensors that you can uh, associate with your brand. That's right. So what about rebranding? So when is it time to rebrand? Have you done much sort of rebranding work?
2: Yeah, yeah, I've done quite a few rebrands. There's one that I'm really keen to release. So this is like one of the first startups that we rebranded. And it's one of our best pieces of work, I reckon. Mm. But they haven't launched their product. Right. And it's been like two years or however nice. long that I've been running this. It's like one year, nine months or something. They still haven't launched. Wow. Apparently, they're still in QA phase. But I won't name names. That's a bit too harsh. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, rebranding is... I very much enjoy rebrands. Right. Just because... It means that you know the company's already launched. They've already, uh, hopefully, they've got you know some sort of product market fit or they've got users. And the reason that they're coming to us to rebrand is because it's for something. It's for it to solve a problem. Mm. And you know that might be that people just aren't they're not understanding what the company does or what the startup does just by reading the marketing site. It might be that when they use the product, it was a very different result that they were expecting from when they like went through the marketing site and saw that. But the biggest one that i've heard the biggest reason that people generally want rebrands is that the company just doesn't all the people the staff of the employees in the company don't identify mm-hmm. with the company they, they're they just like yeah i work here but it's not really my company it's more like a you know i'm just here for sort of the cash or whatever yeah uh-huh. they want a reason to be there and they want some sort of like solid identity a logo mm-hmm. that they can stand behind and be like you know this is this is us we're gorgeous you know
1: yeah and have you got any stories of clients that you've worked with that have gone through this process, like a before and after?
2: Yep. Braha is a good example. Right, They're a self-driving car company based out of uh, CSIRO and Linfield. Right. They're actually one of my favorite clients. We've been working with them for, I think, since we started the agency. Nice. They were a connect from Blackbird, I think. But they're fantastic. Like the co-founders are, are really like open. And they've scaled their team up so fast, but they've managed to keep that sort of like curious culture, which is great. Yeah, we did a rebrand for them. It was it was sort of a half like just brand and half rebrand because they had a logo that they only used internally. They were a stealth startup basically. Right. So they had this logo that they created, which was just awful. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> if you're listening to this, it was pretty horrible. But uh, you know, it did unite the company in a way. At least they had something like a you know, something to bounce off. So mm. but when they hired their head of marketing and they wanted to come out of stealth, I think they realized that you know, even though they're selling to tier one manufacturers, OEMs, whatever, they're not selling to companies. They're selling to people, and people they identify with brands. They love stories, right? And so that's what we needed to create. Rather than we're a self-driving car company, we needed to create the story around that, around why they exist, and you know why you should sort of invest with them.
1: And the intersection of storytelling and brand, how does that work?
2: I think storytelling is basically the essence of branding. Mm. I have discussions with my mates occasionally about the soul, you know, and what the soul Mm -hmm. is comprised of. And so, and it's very much the same as how branding works. And it's basically, you know, I reckon that the soul is sort of like a collection of stories. So the stories that you've told, that you've experienced, and that have been told to you and the lessons that you sort of pull out of them are what define you as a person. And it works so well for branding because people don't identify with, you know, logos or slogans or taglines. They identify with stories they see themselves in, you know, in the shoes of the person who that, you know, is being marketed to them, like whether it's in a campaign video or a explainer or something like that.
1: Yeah. Getting deep on the podcast. Sorry, yeah. Didn't didn't mean for it to get that deep (laughs) that quickly. (laughs) No, no, no. That's really good insight, actually. And, I mean, you're a creative person, Hayden, as well. How do you implement creative problem solving at Jelly Pepper and for, you know, all of the clients that you work with?
2: Yeah, sure. So... I mean, we have a process, we have a, like a playbook, like every agency does. It's very difficult to work without one. Mm. You know, that's what we had to do, I guess, when you start a studio, you don't have like a playbook, you don't have anything mm-hmm. ready. So you just sort of figure it out as you go. And, you know, some of our best projects were were run like that. But if you don't have a structure, it's very difficult to repeat that successful outcome. Yeah. So we have these playbooks that are, certain parts are very structured. It's like how to do, you know, how to build websites, how to design them, how to get to a really good outcome. It's like focusing on, you know, performance SEO, that sort of thing. But for the branding side of things, it's usually more of like a black box. Mm. So we have things that we have to do at the start, as in like questions that we have to ask, research that we have to collect, stuff like that. But then the middle is sort of a black box where we just like dive into, there's not a lot of precedence with these sorts of brands, you know, it's like Mm. self-driving cars, AI, whatever. So there's not a lot of companies that you can look to and be like, that's sort of the industry standard for AI. So we sort of have to sit down and really think about like, okay, if we're defining the direction for this market, what do we want this market to look like? Yeah, And I think that's probably the, I don't know, I guess, competitive advantage or whatever for our company is that we're particularly good at that, figuring out what Mm. companies with no precedent should look like.
1: Yeah. And what's it like? I mean, what's the experience been like working with these type of companies? That must be pretty exciting, I imagine.
2: It's really fun. I know way too much now about light refraction, <laughs> the spheric radiation, of, <laughs> you know, 3D cell cultures, all that sort of stuff. Oh, wow. you, just, you absorb all this stuff over time. No, it's really great. Like the teams are always fantastic because mm-hmm. they're always, you know, the startup teams, they're founders and the early early employees who are like really excited to be there. Mm-hmm. And the ideas that we're working on the startups that we try to take on board are what we call disruptive startups so it's like yeah like i was sort of saying startups with like no precedent, startups that are sort of working on you know really interesting tech you know self-driving cars ai what that sort of thing so yeah no i absolutely love working with the teams they don't always have uh, a really good direction it's really hard to you know mm. we're working with um a 3d biotech company at the moment right how the hell do you brand that? You know, it's like, what what other company do you look at? Do you look at research labs? Or do you look at like medical? Do you look into, you know, so I guess that's sort of where we come in. That's where we have to help out.
1: And in terms of learning, so you're working with these disruptive startups. I mean, yourself, you've been in product, you've been a full stack developer, you've dabbled in data science as well. Yep. So how are some of the ways that you learn how to learn? How do you learn?
2: Learn how to learn. <laughs> I think it, It depends on what I'm trying to learn. Like, some, most of what I learn is not, I I don't have a structured approach. I don't do it through courses or anything like that. Like, some people that I know, they pick up on new things really fast if they're doing like a university course or if they're doing an online course. I tend to learn best by just being thrown into the deep end and just trying to figure it out. Right. Um, So, that's sort of how I learned to develop or to code. We didn't get taught a bunch of great things at uni. Yeah, it was mainly Java and how to deal with, you know, enterprise. So, yeah, I guess most of my thing was was just like, I really want to build an app. I really want to design an app. I really want to like set up like behavioral, you know, data collection or something like that. How do I think it should work? And then just go forward from there and try to figure it out. Yeah. But yeah, it's a very unstructured approach and probably slower than, (laughs) than doing a course.
1: Sounds good. And what do you wish you were more of an expert on in business at the moment? In business? Oh, it can be in design and branding as well.
2: Yeah. I can think of design and branding.
1: Mm. That's a fairly,
2: I'd really love to be, or at least not not have to be a good one, but just have some illustration
1: skills. Right. So you're not a crash shot illustrator. No. (laughs) I
2: can draw boxes (laughs) and and color those boxes. But yeah, yeah, when it comes to like creating original shapes and stuff like that, I'm, I can draw stick figures. I'm pretty good Mm. at that, but um, (laughs) that's as far as I've gotten so far. Interesting.
1: Yeah. And what has you most excited about branding and design in 2019?
2: I think there's just like we're breaking away from a lot of trends. Like, I think 2017, 2018, everyone was following all these trends that were either set by Apple or by Stripe when they came out with their rebrand. You know, everybody jumped on that bandwagon and followed that style with heavy drop shadows and gradients and all that sort of thing. But I think people are starting to see now that those patterns are super repeated. Mm. Um, And Dribbble, for instance, you know, this like designer uh, showcase site is starting to fill up with the exact same work, right. Yeah, everything just looks the same. It's it's what they call dribble porn. It's just, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So I think I'm starting to see a lot of designers really break away from the trends and go for, you know, brutalist or go for, like, traditional styles. And I really am very excited to see how that reflects in branding.
1: Yeah. So it could be an advantage for an early stage company to reverse the trend and, you know, maybe get some cut through that way? Yeah.
2: I think just, like, don't think too heavily about what's on trend right now. Just, like, mm-hmm. think about your... Coming back to strategy, thinking about your culture and your values and what you really like as people and how that reflects in your logo and your, you know, color palette or that sort of thing. Interesting.
1: And are there any tools that you like to use every day for design and branding? Maybe under $100 if we will not go to the pro stuff right now? Sure.
2: <laughs> Actually, I don't think I use a lot of software that is expensive.
1: Creative Cloud? Not even like,
2: you know, we, we've we all jumped ship from Adobe now.
1: Oh, really? what are you guys using
2: I think obviously our illustrators still use just illustrator yeah but you know other than that we're on sketch figma you know just using all those sorts of tools because we mainly do product design app design web design so
1: right
2: and that tool is like that sort of space is really competitive right now mm. um, framer sketch figma uh, what's the adobe one xd or something like that xd yeah yeah, so that's a super competitive space. I think the tools that I use though on a daily basis, Notion is a really good one if you haven't used that.
1: Notion, what's that? Oh my gosh. It is like <laughs> oh it's so
2: great. Um it's basically like Confluence, you know, except not part of the you know, Lassian suite. It's like a document editor, but you can put all sorts of amazing stuff in it. So you can embed right. PDFs, you can embed, you know, SoundCloud tracks you can make timelines so you put in a bunch of data and then you can visualize that as a calendar or a timeline or a to-do list like it's wow. just it's really flexible yeah, nice. yeah so we've actually used that for all of our i guess our tasks now at mm-hmm. jelly pepper so rather than operating on like that sort of standard kanban style where it's like here's mm. the things to be done just move them into you know in progress done whatever all of our work is actually more document heavy so we start a document, we, you know, write down what we're thinking, we have discussions around that. Right. And I sort of like that because there's a lot more meaning in the work that we're doing. Yeah. You know, so rather than like, here, we have to 3D model something, just move it into done, it's like, (laughs) you know, let's talk about the lighting, let's talk about how we're supposed to be feeling when we see this. And, Mm. yeah, it's a lot more interesting discussions happening.
1: That's super interesting. And talking about your design mentors, who do you look up to? Ooh,
2: that's a good one. I've always loved Tobias van Schneider's work. Right. He's this, uh, I think it's Austrian designer. He used to be the art director at Spotify. Right. And now he runs Semplis, which is like a, it's like a portfolio tool for designers. Okay. His work has always been great.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely put him in the show yeah. notes. And what are some of your favorite brands at the moment? Hmm. Design-wise? Oh, I mean, could be on any level, really.
2: Yeah. So my favorite brands that I've seen are always from these two agencies that I follow. So I've modeled Jelly Pepper, you know, as best I can anyway, after these two really brilliant studios in the US, Wayno and Metalab. So, you know, both of them have worked with, you know, Slack, one of them branded Otter, the AI transcription service, you know, Clear ClearMotion, uh, Zero, the banking app. Um, wow. Yeah, they've had some massive clients. Obviously, they've done the whole, like, you know, Google... Apple, that sort of thing. But the brands that they're coming out with are like very fresh, very thoughtful.
1: Awesome. I'll definitely put those guys in the show notes as well for inspiration. Mm -hmm. So Hayden, wanted to thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge about design and branding. Super valuable. I'm going to put all the resources that Hayden has mentioned in the show notes that you guys can find at metagy.com forward slash podcast. So, we're coming towards the end of the podcast now. We have a couple of abstract questions that we like to ask all of our guests. Uh oh. First question <laughs> If you could have a billboard, it could be anywhere in the world. Where would you put it? And what would it say? Might even have to go a bit deeper here and talk a bit about the design since we have you on the yeah, show the as brand well. Of the billboard.
2: Yeah. I'd have, have a billboard anywhere. Where would it be? Uh, do yeah. you know what I would do? I would put a giant billboard in front of the uh, the Hollywood sign Ooh. I would just cover that up completely it's on the Hollywood hills what would it be for though it'd have to be for something that just annoys the whole of LA <laughs>
1: you're trolling all of LA yeah yeah <laughs> come to New York <laughs> <laughs> see the east coast
2: yeah no do you know what it would be it would probably be a thing for gun control oh. that, yeah yeah that'd be
1: really funny yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good billboard and the final question Hayden are you ready for launch I am ready because you're on the first flight to Mars with Elon Musk. You guys can talk a bit about branding and yep, product as old well. Elon. I think it takes two years to get to Mars as well, so you have a bit of time. So you're with Elon and the first settlers aboard the SpaceX Starship rocket. So what business do you start when you land on Mars and how would you promote it to the new Martians?
2: I'm tempted to say Instagram just because I'm really, I think it'd be really funny just to see like a 1,000 filtered pictures of red dirt every day (laughs) and everyone just commenting on each other's red dirt
1: what about the new martians (laughs) there
2: i think i would probably do an interplanetary telco that would be really fun you know it's like the first thing that you'd want to do when you land on mars is sort of like check in with back home see how everything is going and the branding around that oh my god that would be so easy i mean just (laughs) you know tug at the heartstrings you know Uh,
1: any name for the telco Oh god, <laughs> putting you on the spot here. yeah oh god
2: i've always been terrible at naming companies that's why i've changed the name of the agency three times <laughs> three times yeah it's
1: three what, times what were the previous two
2: names? uh the first one was lightsaber and that right. was sort of like a working name because you know it's just like okay we've got clients we need something to call ourselves and so, mm. lightsaber seemed cool yeah and i'm like all right then I'm like, all right, i don't want to get sued by disney <laughs> so we'll change it to erudito and that was cool that was like that's spanish and italian for erudite which is like someone who's knowledgeable or a veteran, someone who's learned. Those are the sorts of people that we wanted to hire. Mm. But uh, nobody can spell that. <laughs> and we got the .to domain. And uh, I don't know how much you know about how fast the DNS propagation is in Tonga. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, that didn't really work for us. Plus, it was like, you know, not giving off the right vibe. So <laughs> yeah. I think we're hopefully at the right uh, brain this time.
1: Yeah, I know. they really like the name Jelly Pepper. I have no idea, though, what I would call it. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough one. I would probably hire a branding
2: agency for that.
1: (laughs) Like Jelly Pepper? Yeah. Perfect. Well, Hayden, thanks so much for coming in today. All of Hayden's show notes can be found at metagy.com forward slash show notes. And before we go, anything you'd like to say, Hayden, and how can people get in touch?
2: I want to say thanks for having me. It's been great. Uh, Get in touch. I don't know. You can tweet me. I'm always around. I'm always retweeting dumb things on Twitter <laughs> or you can, you know, I think I've got a new website coming out soon for myself and for Jelly Pepper, which is nice. So yeah, just hit us up there and uh, I'm always open for a coffee, so. Yeah.
1: yeah, nice. And that's jellypepper.com? That's right. Awesome. No, Definitely check it out, guys. There's a lot of good branding and design case studies from inception to delivery and that's how I originally found out about you, Hayden. Some nice uh, content marketing there. Thanks, man. It's been good. Thanks for coming in and Good luck in the future.
2: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: From Medig, you've just listened to Forward Thinking. Again, I'm Darren, and Medig hopes we helped you find more insights and tips into your business. To find out more about Medig and get a listener-exclusive three-month free trial, visit us at medici.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, go and check out some more episodes. If you like what you heard, please share a link to another business owner or marketer who you think could get something from this. Also, to help us out, it would be great if you left a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Last, never miss another episode by following or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast player. See you on the next episode. Managing.